Hi, Simon Hill here. Enjoy our podcast. If you'd like to help us keep delivering the sort of quality football chat you want, then you can show your support by making a donation. Big or small, however much you can afford, we appreciate all your help and every cent will be ploughed back into improving production. Thanks in advance from all of us at Shim, Spider and so much more. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. It's Craig Moore. What a piece. Beautifully struck home by Craig Moore and the Australian supporters go wild in Stuttgart. Why not? Rickson's corner kick. Celtic couldn't handle Wood on the set piece. It's a brilliant header. And Kale goes to Spitzenko. What about that? What about that? Here's Aloisi for a place in the World Cup. He's You're with Shim, Spider, and so much more. Take it away, fellas. Hello again. Welcome along for your weekly dose of Shim, Spider, and so much more. Episode 40 features a great chat with Socceroos legend Miller Yedinak in the final part of the show. Uh, before then, we'll be shaking down the Super League war in Europe and discussing another goal-laden round of A-League fixtures. All in the company of Jelko Kalatz and Craig Moore. Good to see you, boys. Uh, Maury, the, the rumour is is that Canberra is in the frame for a licence in the A-League, 2022-23. Have you heard anything? You're supposedly involved with that uh, particular franchise? Mate, very good question. I'm gonna, and I'm going to give you a, a very honest answer. I've been here now for seven months. Uh, and apart from the stories and, and some conversations early doors about the, the possibility of Canberra coming into to the A-League, uh, I've had zero communication uh, in the time that I've been here. Well, that's frustrating. <laughs> so I guess you don't know. Um, I've, got to be I've got to be honest. Mm, no? Well, it's, it's better <laughs> that you're honest. That's what this podcast is all about. Um, Spider, I'm hoping you're going to be honest. Your big mate Popper is taking over at Melbourne Victory. Does that mean you're coming home? I've got to be honest with you. I don't know. <laughs> so I've got to, if Maury's being honest, then I'm being honest as well. I actually don't know. But what a great appointment for Melbourne Victory, and I think it's a really good job for Popper. Um, mate, they're big club, ready to get repaired, and they've got the right man for the job. Yeah, I think most people would uh, agree with that. Uh, before we move into hard talk, uh, just a little word on an article that appeared this week. Uh, regarding myself, um, the article said I was considering leaving Australia and many have taken this to mean that I've made that decision. Uh, that is not the case. 
I just responded to a question on a podcast, to be honest, fairly honestly, um, as we're in the mood for honesty at the start of this yeah. podcast. Um, the truth of the matter is this, a new TV deal is imminent. It will probably be a two or even three year deal. If it stays where it is, of course, then my time here is done. Uh, I can't afford to stay without full-time work, nor would I want to. If it goes somewhere else, then yes, I'd be interested if they're interested in me. If they're not, then so be it. And yes, I'll be done here and no complaints. I've had a good run. So uh, that is the truth of it. And I probably opened up uh, a little because the time for those decisions is fairly close. Uh, many wrote to me on Twitter and uh, said some nice things. So thank you. Uh, others might be glad to see the back of me. That's fair enough as well. Uh, broadcasting is, is quite divisive. Um, I didn't intend uh, my answer to be any sort of public announcement. Uh, I'm not trying to make it all about me. I was just asked a question and I answered it uh, as truthfully as I could. And what I really want is for the game to have a better future than it uh, has at the moment. Uh, the good news is we should all see that future very soon and we can all get on with life one way or the other. All right, let's get into it then. Hard talk. Hard talk. Hard talk is brought to you by Streamgate, one of Australia's first live streaming companies operating since 2008. They focus on virtual and hybrid events broadcasting to unlimited online audiences worldwide by either a secure private stream page or publicly on social media. Live streaming allows social online engagement as viewers are able to communicate back to the presenters in real time while social distancing. So should you require a small personal event or business level webcast, please go to streamgates.com.au or you can find them on Instagram. So guys, let's uh, let's start with the A-League in that uh, crazy game on Friday night, uh, which ended 5-4 to Melbourne victory against the Western Sydney Wanderers just days after they confirmed uh, Tony Popovich would take over next season. Uh, they nearly threw it away. But what to make of the Wanderers, Spider? What, what's happened to their form? All I know is that both coaches would have had heart palpitations. The supporters, one, one supporting group would have been ready to leave the stadium. The other ones were celebrating, thinking it was all over. And then with a couple of minutes to go, the poor victory supporters were going, what the hell is going on here? Not again. Um, I don't know what uh, Maury. Nah, well, I just, I mean, I'm just thinking. We, one of our great mates, Kevin Musker, obviously was um, at Melbourne Victory, and the type of club Melbourne Victory were in five seasons, Champions League, four of those seasons, three grand finals, two grand finals they won, and one uh, of those grand finals they lost on penalties. That's the club that is Melbourne Victory, but they're a long, long way off, and I know that Popper will come in. Um, and will do a fantastic job. And that's a level that I'm sure he can get to again. Spider, I think that with Popper coming into Melbourne Victory, the ability to be able to attract the right player uh, to this football club is going to be key to them moving forward very, very quickly. Western Sydney Wanderers, I mean, for the neutrals, a wonderful game to watch, but it was horrific in terms of the goals that were conceded. Um, you know, Western Sydney Wanderers, I think from three corners, conceded goals. Free headers galore. Game was stretched. A lot of improvements tactically, Spider, I would think. Maury, it was yucky poo. Like, <laughs> honestly. Five, five, four. Mate, it was insane. It was seriously insane. I watched the game and I couldn't believe my eyes as to what I was seeing. You hit the nail on the head. For the neutral, 
it was how good's this nine goals but for the football purist mate it was it was a disaster spider you know popper very well he has that infamous little black book that he scribbles in during a game that will have been full watching that on friday oh. night won't it yeah, I mean, he'd be meticulously watching those games now. And and you know what? The reality is, uh, we all know what it's like when a new manager comes in. And now that they've heard that Pop was coming in, these guys need to perform if they want to be at the club next year. That's the reality. I mean, um, it's a big club. We all know it's a big club. Uh, expectations are very high. They need to start performing to get contracts. Um, and you know what? That was a better performance goals-wise, but it was a terrible performance defensive-wise by, by Wanderers. That was Maury. It, it was just one of those games that was unbelievable. But even victory, like they're 5-1 five, they're five up, well, I think that's 72 minutes. And then and for, for that to end up 5-4, it's like you're going, like I said, for the neutral, amazing. For anybody that's got any football now that's watching that game, they're going, oh, my God, such poor quality. Wanderers can't miss the finals again this year, can they? they can. I'll tell you what. And I'll tell you what, uh, they're in big trouble. They're, they're in big trouble. Uh, they're equal six at the moment. I had a good look at the table, and the table is very, very tight. Uh, I, I, they have to shore up their defence. I know they're saying they've got firepower up front, but you cannot leak goals. You can't score two and three goals every match. It's, it's not possible. Well, in saying not possible at the moment... At the moment, in at the moment in the A League, it seems it is possible, but in real football, it's actually not possible. And they have to fix that problem up quick, smart, because their squad should be able to make the top six. Maury, geez. Well, Sydney FC will uh, probably make the top six, the reigning champions, of course. They had to come from behind uh, twice to earn a point in Gosford. Good resilience uh, shown by them, and again by the Central Coast, who keep hanging in there. Um, also good to see a 10,000 uh, crowd in there as well. We haven't seen too many of those uh, this season. A terrific goal from Milos Ninkovic. Uh, do we appreciate Ninkovic enough? We're talking about quality in the A-League. He doesn't get too many headlines in the mainstream, does he, Milos Ninkovic? But what a player he still is. Top player. Top, top player. One, one of the best foreigners that we've had come to the, to the A-League. Um, he doesn't get the love in the mainstream because... No one's bloody covering the game. That's a problem. But uh, he's a hell of a player. He makes a hell of a difference. He's, his awareness on the football field is, is unbelievable. Um, he's yeah, cute, look, those players. Think... And the timing, the timing of his goal, obviously. I mean, I, I think stoppage time um, at the end of the first half to, to give Sydney that, that, that opportunity. It's a wonderful ball from Bratton, wasn't it? It's a great ball. But Ninkovic, when, when he's in that position... Knows how to finish. Uh, he's got he's got real quality. Um, Bimby was disappointed with a couple of offside decisions. Uh, probably harshly dealt with in the first one. The Bobo, the first disallowed goal because I believe the defender, which meant Bobo would have been no longer offside. Mm -hmm. um, the second one, I've probably got no real uh, complaints with. I, I probably felt that it, it was offside. I know Ninkovic was in a, a starting offside position. Um, and I think Corrick had come out and said he, he wasn't overly disappointed with that one. But Bobo, for the first one, he was disappointed with. Urena uh, for Central Coast Mariners. Hasn't he, been, hasn't he been a fine spider? He's a good he's a good goal scorer. He's a good worker. Look, they're, they're doing well. 
Uh, I, I actually want to agree with what Simon said. 10,000 people at the Mariners Stadium says one thing. We want the Central Coast Mariners playing out of Gosford. Mate, uh-huh. well done to everyone who turned up. It was brilliant and it was a great demonstration of where that club belongs. Uh, boosted, it must be said by a fair few Sydney FC fans as well, not to take anything away from those in uh, yellow and navy blue. Uh, just one more on Sydney. Uh, news this week that Adam LaFondra is going to return uh, to play in Sky Blue, which I'm sure all Sydney fans are delighted with. That gives them Adam LaFondra, gives them Babo, Costa Barbarousas, Trent Bahaja. Uh, they've got a fair bit of competition. Who misses out? Uh, he'll just rotate them. He'll rotate them. Uh, the, the opposition defence are going to have their hands full, especially when he puts on the whippets in the 70th minute. You know, say, for example, if he starts with Bobo and Lafondra and you've got Barbarousas and... Bahaja Bahaja comes on. Mate, it's, it's a handful. And you know what? We've spoken about Sydney this year and they, they're playing well. The difference between them this year and last year is that when they got a chance last year, they took it. They're, they're needing a little too many chances, Maury, to, to score. But now, LaFondra coming in, right time of the year. Championship needs to be won. Strengthen the squad. Good signing. Great signing by Sydney. Great signing. And look, I mean, um, you know, sometimes players, when they come back second time around at a football club and all that, it can be hit and miss. But the likes of Bobo's come back and, and delivered again. I've no doubts that Adam LaFondre will, will come back and, uh, and and hit the ground running, which you need to at a club like Sydney FC, and especially at this stage of the season. He'll come back and score goals. And Sydney, are, they're loaded up top, Spites. They're loaded up top. Defensively, uh, they, they, they need to be a little bit better, I've got to say, because, you know, I thought McGowan and Wilkinson, you know, probably a little bit average in terms of the goals they conceded and the way that they commit themselves. And you need to be a little bit harder to beat defensively. They need to improve that. Yeah, and but you know what, Maury? Uh, you're right, but I'd still hate to play Sydney in a one-off game. I, I tell you, I still think they're a very, very good side. And things probably, you know, they're, they're making a few little mistakes this year and getting punished for them that in the previous two championships they didn't, uh, didn't make or didn't get punished for. So, you know, I still wouldn't want to play them. I, st- I still think they'll get to the grand final, get very close with Melbourne City. And of course, uh, perhaps one of the reasons Lafondre is returning is that they've got one eye on the Champions League where they're going to need that uh, little bit of depth uh, later mm. on in the year. Um, talking of uh, Sydney FC, a bit of a set two between old Sydney teammates, Mark Rudin and Ufuk Talley, uh, regarding refereeing decisions in the Western United Wellington game on the Thursday. Uh, Rudin uh, complaining that Talley tries to influence referees a little bit too much and Ufi responding by saying, well, that's his problem. <laughs> Yeah. So that was no brilliant. Love loss between the old teammates. Uh, brilliant. Uh, just winding each other up. Uh, I don't mind. I don't mind that. It was nothing too silly. And uh, they both had a comment. All done and dusted. Shake hands and, and move on. Mate, and probably had a beer afterward. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Yeah. No doubt. Um, it was a weekend also of missed opportunities. Uh, MacArthur won. Melbourne City won. On Saturday, City missing a bit of a trick, Maury, to extend their lead at the top. A bit of profligacy in front of goal. Yeah, no, I mean, look, City's definitely had their chances to um, to put this game to bed, to win this game. Metcalf was was uh, the main player involved in these opportunities. It was an earlier opportunity where he, he, he's had a shot where he probably could have crossed the ball for for a tap in. 
he obviously gets his goal. He hits a crossbar laid on. But Melbourne City will probably see this as a lost opportunity um, to, to, to not get three points. But I still think that they're ticking along nicely. Look, MacArthur are hard uh, to play against. They're, they're quite honest, Simon. Uh, and, and certainly for their first season, I think people have got to be pleased in the way that they've performed this season. So that spider presented the opportunity for Adelaide United to go top of the A-League. But uh, unfortunately for the Reds, they couldn't take it. They lost 2-1 uh, to Wellington Phoenix, who uh, won the game thanks to a late penalty. The award of which for handball was, let's call it contentious, to say the least. We still don't know where we're at with this damn rule, do we? Was it a handball or was it the keeper smashing the player the on the head? Soterio, did he come over the top of yeah. Soterio? Yeah, Joshy, Joshy heads the ball and the keeper was a, a tad late. But not, in all fairness, it's a little bit harsh on the keeper as well because Joshy gets the header away. The keeper's already committed. He can't actually stop anymore. And and look, it was it was a soft... Look, I'm back in the keeper here. It's a little bit of a soft penalty because... <laughs> Thought you might. Because... Well, Joshy's already got his header away. So the keeper actually can't stop anymore. But um, on, on chances, it, it was an entertaining game on chances. Both teams had plenty of, plenty of chances. Um, but look, I'm, I'm happy for Wellington because I actually think they've been playing well. And not that I'm happy that Adelaide lost because they're actually an entertaining side to watch. And we've got to we've got to give special mention is to, to Ben Wayne. What's that? Is that um, four consecutive yes, goals? Right. Yeah. Games. Yeah, yeah. By the way, looks a a decent. I know I don't like to get too excited too early about young players, and I know he's not an Australian, but he's um, his movement. You know the way that he moves about that box and the way that he takes his chances that he has done for me. He looks um, he looks a decent talent. Yeah, and Wellington point. continue to produce those decent talents uh, in the wake of Liberato Kakache and uh, Callum McCowart and Sarpreet Singh. They've got uh, something going at uh, Wellington that is, is pretty good at the moment. Uh, Brisbane Perth, of course, was postponed, unfortunately, due to the COVID outbreak in WA. So uh, Glory couldn't travel. Uh, the news, though, this week that Scott McDonald has left Brisbane. Um, no real explanation as to why. Um, is that Scott finished in terms of his uh, his playing career, do we think? Which would be a pity because he's been a really good asset to the A-League since arriving. No, interesting interesting one, Simon, because, look, Scott McDonald's got a, a really good relationship with David Poirier, um, but something seems to have gone amiss here. Uh, this is I've not spoken to Scotty, uh, an educated guess, that um, there's been some issues there uh, in terms of with Warren Moon and with Shane, with Shane Stefanudo. At a guess, um, you know, the old mutual termination, but all of a sudden, you know, if there's a confidentiality agreement signed, then that tells you there's a problem. Uh, but, you know, they've got to dust themselves down and, and both have to move on. Scotty McDonald is a great professional. Um, whether or not there's, there's more playing opportunity for him in Australia, Look, time will tell, but, um, you know, it's a big loss to the football club because whether it be playing the remainder of this season, I certainly felt there was a future for Scott McDonald at Brisbane Raw in terms of coaching and the academy and, 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 and all these other kind of things as well. Does that mean Maury now uh, that he can go to another A-League club or not? I believe he can, Spider, yeah. Yeah, if they've, if they've mutually terminated... I don't see that there's any reason why he shouldn't be able to, but it, of course, It'd be a good depends. pickup, wouldn't he? 
Well, he would be, but it depends whether you know he wants to move because clearly he'd have to be interstate because there's, <laughs> there's no other club in Queensland for him to go yeah. to. Um, anyway, an interesting uh, development, and I'm fortunate, I think, both for Scott and for Brisbane and for the A-League. And just on Brisbane, uh, the city uh, unveiled the Gabba as its showpiece stadium should the Olympic Games uh, go there in 2032, which uh, would suggest that AFL and cricket are again going to be the two sports uh, that benefit from any redevelopment, just as they did in Sydney 2000, of course. Uh, but there was uh, a story that appeared in the Brisbane media this week that Perry Park could be developed as a hockey stadium for the Games uh, and then subsequently provide that boutique venue that, that Brisbane really needs, Maury. That would be good. That would be amazing, Simon. Uh, Perry Park is, is situated in a fantastic area that has great access to, to public transport. Uh, that is redeveloped into a, a hockey um, you know, situation for the Olympic Games, which is very, very similar in terms of um, you know, the space that's required for football. We know that hockey, in terms of long-term, there's no future in terms of that kind of capacity and crowd. Uh, that would be a wonderful addition for football. And, and, and finally, something from uh, you know, a legacy of an Olympic Games or something like that, that something actually comes to football. Let's hope it happens. Um, still on the Olympics, the Olly Roos and Matildas received their draws this week. Uh, the Olly Roos got Spain, Argentina and uh, Egypt, which looks tough. Uh, the Matildas got Sweden, USA and New Zealand, which, let's be honest, isn't that much easier. Um, are they both groups of death, Spider? Look, they are groups of death, but I, I think they're good groups. I, I think when the Aussie sides played these bigger calibre teams, we sort of have this, oh, well, we can't win. So they've got nothing to lose. Where I think if they would have got a less quality draw, we would have expected them just to win. So I think they can go in prepared to actually win matches and be brave to play. Hard draws, though. Uh, Graham Arnold calling for vaccinations for the players before they uh, head off uh, to Tokyo. Um, and, of course, in terms of the Matildas draw, um, two of the best uh, third-place teams uh, go through. Uh, so uh, maybe a second chance for the Matildas, but uh, hopefully they can improve uh, their form as uh, they get towards Tokyo. Uh, just wanted to on uh, Aussies abroad, uh, Maury. Uh, Matty Ryan, talk of him getting a full-time contract. Actually, has he been offered a full-time contract? And Bernd Leno, of course, produced that horrible howler against uh, Everton. So you... Maybe more chances coming up for Matty. Yeah, well, look, I'll let Spider speak about that potential uh, Leno Howler, which obviously it was. Um, but yeah, no, look, Matty Ryan obviously got his opportunity the week before. Um, and and Mikel Arteta said that I've got to give Matty an opportunity because he's he's an unbelievable professional. He, he always trains in the, in the right way. Uh, and, and therefore, I've got to give him the opportunity. So, you know, I don't know whether it's true or whether or not he's going to get a a contract offer at Arsenal, but he's certainly not done himself any harm by the way that, again, Matty Ryan's an unbelievable professional. The way that he goes in, the way that he works, um, he'll always give his best. And if he could, you know, have a, have a longer stay at Arsenal or secure a further future at Arsenal, that'd be wonderful for Matty Ryan, but also for Australian football. Yeah, oh, I think it's a great club for Matty. I really do. I, I think I said it before he even went there. I couldn't believe it when he actually went there because I think it suits Matty's style. I don't think there's anything between Leno and Matty Ryan, to be honest with you. 
And, you know, when you're at a big club like that, and I know a lot of people say Arsenal's not a big club. They are a big club. Uh, you've got to wait for your opportunity. Leno at the moment is number one. That's clear. They can see that. But Matty's just got to keep working and keep believing. And in football, opportunities come when you don't expect them. you just got to be ready to grasp them with both hands. And he's playing, of course, for his boyhood club. Let's hope it works out for Matty. A big goal for Sam Kerr as well in the FA Women's Super League on Thursday, helping Chelsea to a two-all draw against Manchester City in that top-of-the-table clash. Keeps them two points ahead of City in the title race. Uh, unfortunately, they did lose the first leg of uh, the Women's Champions League semi-final on Sunday. That was against Bayern Munich, but they still have the second leg to come. Elsewhere, Brad Smith scoring his first goal in five years in Major League Soccer. So uh, congratulations to him as well. Time to head overseas then. London calling. London calling. Go further with the Australian College of Physical Education. With more than 100 years of experience, ACPE's courses are designed to get you career ready. Their bachelor degrees in sports performance and business, health science, applied fitness, education and dance can help turn your dream into a career. Find out where ACPE can take you. Apply online today for Semester 1 2021 at acpe.edu. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Well, we uh, sort of touched on the Super League last week in the podcast, but really the story was only just starting to emerge when uh, we recorded last week. So... Let's uh, chat about it a little bit more in depth. A huge story in the UK and the rest of Europe. Um, we're now into the realms, guys, of club apologies, supporter protests, and talk of potential punishments uh, for those involved. This remains, even though the Super League is off the table at the moment, this remains, doesn't it, the, the game's biggest crisis, Maury? This was this was an absolute shocker, Simon. Talk about playing a really, really poor hand. The the football community absolutely jumped down the throats of the Big Twelve, the Big Six in England, and within forty eight hours, the Big Six have with, had with, withdrawn in England. Um, the protests that have gone on, um, the the rumours and speculation now about the potential purchases of those football clubs. People want these owners out. Um, it's it's been amazing. You know, the, the good thing about it is, is well, a couple of things. One, this should never go ahead, and I'm glad that got knocked on the head very early. But secondly, the voice and the power of our, our game, you know, our supporters um, and, and what football is about. I hope that this can potentially show that there is opportunities to cut through racism. Uh, and I would, <laughs> I would love... I would love for VAR to be on that agenda as well, but it just goes to show sometimes when you're um, the power, the power of people, and we, we were just disrespected. The Big Twelve, the you know people were getting greedy, 
and without actually speaking to the fans, without speaking to the coaches, without speaking to the players, these were the people that had to front all the media. And where were the owners? Good question. Uh, they were hiding. Uh, Spider, there's a lot of talk, particularly in the UK, that the answer to all of this in the wake of the Super League uh, debacle is the German ownership model, the 50 plus one. The government says it's going to review everything and it's the 50 plus one will be on the table as well. Is that feasible in a country like England where it's developed along the lines of complete ownership of football clubs or can they do it? To be honest with you, I'm probably the wrong person to be asking this question. You're the person who should be answering this with what, <laughs> with what they did, with what they did in Germany was brilliant because there was no German club in the Super League, was there? Correct. No, but they all they, they, they all knocked the back, Simon. And just on that, I think there's only three German clubs that aren't on the 50 plus one. Uh, I think it's Wolfsburg, Bayer Leverkusen, and Hoffenheim, I believe. And and the or only Leipzig. Reason, no, no, Hoffenheim. And it's only because um, ownership has been in place at those clubs for 20 years or greater. Mm. Interesting. So the rest is on 50 plus one. I mean, look, there are some clubs, Simon, in the UK. I mean, Hearts, for, for example, are a club that are on a membership model. Um, so it'd be interesting to follow and monitor the progress of, of that. So it does happen. Um, but it'd be interesting to see government getting involved. I think it's a good thing because what, what, what they're actually saying is we're not happy with the current ownership of our clubs and we need to look into this somebody did suggest to me on twitter that if the government got involved they could actually fall foul of fifa's rules on government interference which i guess yeah. is is true but um yeah it's it's a very uh, interesting situation that's developing and, and i think it's a spectacular own goal from the clubs they certainly couldn't have expected this and i think they've brought about some very unwanted scrutiny on the way that uh, they run these massive institutions in Europe and in England in particular. Now, of course, you know, one of the big contentious issues of the Super League was the protected places for the elite yeah. clubs, the lack of relegation for uh, the 12 plus three founders. And of course, there are echoes in, in, in miniature with the A-League in Australia. Um, a lot of people have pointed out that we have a protected league here, a closed league here. Um, and, you know, maybe it's time we, we looked at that. I mean, we, we've been big proponents of a national second division and, and promotion relegation, Maury. Yeah, no, and look, I've, I've kind of, I think I've popped some tweets out during the week as well, uh, Simon, on that, on that, you know, it's like for the amount of um, disgust in the football community of what happened or what, what, what the, the Super League tried to, to, to do in the game of football um, was really frowned upon. And, and I was like, yeah, but that's actually what we have in place in Australia. Mm. Smaller scale, it's a franchise model. Um, you know, it's a, you're protected, it's a closed shop, but doesn't create pathways and opportunity for, for other clubs and the MLS as well. Um, so, yeah, no, definitely something for, for us all to think about because it just seemed that, such a huge majority of people are dead against this. Mm. Well, I think it's uh, very much, you know, uh, something that football fans agree on. You have to have opportunity for ambitious clubs and you have to have punishment for those uh, that fail. Just on the other Premier League clubs in England, Karen Brady said this week in the media, the bonds 
of trust have been broken between the big six in England and the rest. Um, the rumour is they want the resignation of the chairman and the CEOs of each of the six clubs involved. And this is the, a direct quote from Karen Brady. I watched them apologise to their fans and wondered where the apology was to their colleagues in the Premier League. All six pretended to be working for the best interests of the EPL and all the time they were plotting to destroy it. I mean, this is going to be, create a huge chasm, if it hasn't already, between uh, the big six and the rest. Um, and I, I can only imagine now what punishment uh, those 14 want. And, of course, what UEFA wants, by extension, for uh, potential punishment for, for the Champions League and European competition, Spider. Uh, what punishment? I don't think anything will happen from it. Uh, I don't think they'll get punished in any way. I don't think points will get deducted. I don't even think a fine will happen. I could be wrong. Uh, but it was, as Maury said, it was quashed very quickly. And that, that was fantastic to see. What these other 14 clubs in the Premier League want from these clubs, I, I don't know, Son. I really don't know. I can't see anything happening from it, to be honest. Yeah, By the backlash, that's... Yeah. But what you're By the backlash, see... that's going to last forever, Maury. Yeah, no, it's going to leave a horrible taste in people's mouths forever. Uh, I 100% agree with you. What we're starting to see, you know, like the likes of Woodward at, at Manchester United, you know, potentially was stepping down at the end of the year. Whether that's already been talked talked about now that June, July, he'll he'll, he'll be he'll be out of Manchester United. Um, his involvement again is kind of, yeah, people are you know he's kind of has come out in the papers here that. He, he didn't have any involvement, but then in another story, he, he was one of the key players. So look, these people, like I says, I think they've, they've, they've played a really, really poor hand. Um, they've been found out. They've realized that this is not going through saying that Perez is coming out saying it's all still in place. <laughs> it's, not, it's not this format, but it's another format. So, you know, that's why I think Gary Neville's come out here, Simon as well saying, well, that's why we need government, um, to, to be involved because we need to we need to protect the game because mm. this assault's coming again. Yep, you'd imagine at some point uh, it would uh, re-emerge. Uh, in the midst of all this, the new format, Spider of the UEFA Champions League, has almost been lost in the crossfire. A new 36-team league has been agreed uh, with 10 fixtures each, whether the Big Six and the Big 12 will be involved in it uh, next season, I'm not sure. Um, this comes in, I think, from 2024. Uh, Jurgen Klopp said, I've got no idea when the extra games will be scheduled and that the coaches, players and supporters are never asked. Ilkay Gundogan of Manchester City called it the lesser of two evils. In I read that to one. The Super League. Uh, I yeah, mean, mate, that, that was this perfect. is a mess, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. All greed, my friend. All greed. Money, money, money. It's true. Simple as that. Um, and in the midst of it all, Maury, David Moyes coming out and suggesting the unified British League with, with Celtic and Ray. Just come on, Moisey. <laughs> as if we haven't got enough. Mate, look, I'm back in Scotland now. I come over as a 17-year-old. Mate, I've heard the stories for, for, for 25, 30 years about Scotland and Rangers mm. and, the, and the British Super League and all that sort of stuff. Scotland and Rangers need to be in Scotland. Mm. Simple. Scotland and Rangers. You left Celtic out there, mate. Sorry, sorry. Oh, so I didn't do that on purpose. Sorry. Celtic, <laughs> Celtic and Rangers need to be in Scotland. It's simple because 
you take you take Celtic and Rangers out of Scotland, and and it just it would drive a huge hole in the game here. And it's it's important that they are here. It, it's important that 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 you know that commercial interest within the game with Rangers and Celtic being here, and, and can improve the the pyramid, can improve the other improve the other clubs. British Super League's not happening. Shouldn't happen. Um. All these stories meant that, uh, rather bizarrely, the sacking of Jose Mourinho took a bit, <laughs> a bit of a backseat. Uh, this was almost a, you know, a, a paragraph um, in the back pages of the papers. Uh, not an ideal build-up for Tottenham uh, to the Carabao Cup final on Sunday against Manchester City, um, a competition that, of course, is probably threatened by the expanded Champions League or Super League, whichever comes first. Uh, City won it in the end by a goal to nil. Emmerich uh, Laporte... Um, where does all this leave Jose Mourinho? Um, he leaves Tottenham without having won a trophy. The first time that's happened to him in his coaching career. Is he done at the at the very highest level, Spider? Is is that why they got rid of him before they played this cup? Because uh, <laughs> to, to be fair, Man City belted him. It was one way traffic. It, 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 it should have been four or five. Oh, mate, I don't. He'll find another club because he's a very good manager. I, I think uh, I know a lot of people think his uh, manage, managerial style and football philosophy is is outdated. It's it's just not outdated. It was probably just uh, at the wrong club. Uh, he will bring success wherever he goes next. I don't know where he might go back to someone like. Like Porto, or he might go back to Italy, where 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 they maybe appreciate the the tactical side of things. But Spides, do you think? I think the question around about Mourinho is is it's not doubting whether or not he's a he's a top level coach, um, but it's like whether or not he can he can now go to a top five country um, with the way that the game is changing. Um, the fans want to be entertained, you know, uh, and Mourinho. Yeah, I look at I look at now. You look at Ryan Mason and Simon. You would have watched the game. I mean, Man City dominated from start to finish. Different manager, but did did Spurs play a different way to what they would have played under Mourinho? Uh, <laughs> well, probably not hugely, to be honest. But then you know you can't just, you can't really just, give Ryan Mason grief for that. I guess he's only been there a couple of days in the job. No, no, he's, he's just you know I get that. But again, in terms of you know. A playing style. Um, mm. Mourinho has been linked to Celtic, funny enough. And again, I don't know how much truth th th there is in, in in that. But the last couple of days in the media here in Scotland, you know, Mourinho has been linked to Celtic as well. Well, the, the media will be right. rubbing, rubbing their their hands with glee at the prospect of uh, Mourinho against Steven Gerrard, hey? Particularly yeah, after Mourinho. what happened in 2014. <laughs> yeah, amazing. But could they could they afford him? Because I imagine he's, he's on a few dollars there. Eh? Yeah. yeah, but he got to pay. He got to pay out, so it might come a little bit cheaper. It might only cost them eighteen million a year. <laughs> wow! Um, good weekend for Manchester City. Uh, Leeds drawing with Manchester United, so uh, City now ten points clear at the top with just uh, five games remaining in the Premier League. Uh, they need just two wins to secure the Championship. Big win for Chelsea. Uh, as well. Um, of course, both those teams involved in the Champions League semi-finals during the week. Chelsea against Real Madrid, City playing PSG, but uh, a very important win uh, for Chelsea at West Ham, uh, one of their big rivals for the top four, Maury. Yeah, and did, 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 look, the talking point from it, look, Chelsea were, were good enough for the win. Um, you know, probably West Ham, 
who have had a fantastic season, probably didn't start the game as well as what David Moyes would have liked. They also had the sending off and the VAR situation with Balbuena, uh, which has been hugely debated over here. I don't know whether you've seen the, um, the, the footage of that, you know, where he's gone to, to clear the ball and he's kind of caught, I think, Mason Mount. Um, and he's got, got sent off. But that's had mixed reviews over here. Uh, probably the last 15, 17, 18 minutes, a man less. But but Chelsea have been very good under Tuchel, haven't they? He's, he's done a great job. But at the same time, West Ham have had a fantastic season. But Chelsea, very, very strong. Indeed, they are. Um, okay, let's head into our final segment today. And uh, another big guest waiting for us in Footballers' Lives. Footballers' Lives. Well, our guest today was born in Sydney in 1984 and started his football career with Sydney United. After a brief spell in Croatia, his journey really began in a professional sense at the Central Coast Mariners. He then headed overseas to Genschlerbeligi, Antalya Spor, and most famously Crystal Palace and Aston Villa, where he retired from playing in 2019. He remains at Villa Park as part of the coaching team. He won 79 caps for Australia and remains the only Socceroo to captain his country at two World Cups. He is, of course, Miller Yedinak, who joins us from his home in the UK. Uh, unfortunately, the first part of our interview with Millet uh, suffered from audio issues. So we're going to pick up the chat uh, during Millet's time with Crystal Palace. Mm. Millet, in... in uh, after you, your spell in Turkey, that sort of laid the platform, I guess, for you to uh, move on to England. You, you signed for Crystal Palace. Um, was that always your intention to, to head to England? Was that your desired destination? Oh, it was my desired destination, definitely. I just think I never had, couldn't have the opportunity because of um, the, the cap situation and, and passport situation and whatnot. So... The story goes when we did get over and the initial contact, obviously everyone, everyone knows it was from Popper and um, we had those conversations whilst we were in Turkey, just seeing what, what the script was and the, you know, the decision was probably made a little bit clearer when we became sort of pregnant at that time with our first child. So we were having that, those discussions and we, we came over to um, the UK and we spoke with, the staff there and I ended up one day going up to Glasgow and seeing uh, Maury's old stomping ground and getting a little tour around there and um, just you know that was they were the two experiences I had had within that sort of two weeks and um, in the end that was not the right fit and I said you know what I need to I want to go and do this and try this and give this a really good go so saying that but not actually realizing what it would entail well, yeah. it certainly worked out all right for you. I mean, in 12, season 2012-13, um, you had one of your best seasons. Uh, you scored against Peterborough to get Palace into the playoffs, led them to promotion at Wembley as captain, uh, and were also voted player of the season by, by the club and its fans. That must have been pretty satisfying. Yeah, listen, my first season was quite, quite difficult. I was really, I was managed 
um, through that, through Tony and Dougie and the staff there. And I couldn't quite get my head around it, but was soon to quickly realise this is how it gets done over here because of the just the ferociousness of the league and how physically strong you need to be and, you know, how ready and prepared. And so I was learning. I learned that way quite quickly. Um, you know, I picked up an injury towards the end of that year and um, it was a, a really weird sort of summer because Tony had left and I'd had this, strange enough, this offer from the Middle East and stuff. And it was just like, right, okay, like what to, what to do, sort of have a little thought thought process and in the end what ended up happening was you have these discussions and you always have this desire in yourself and I'm, I'm going to give this a proper go and see and um, in the end that's what happened uh, we were still sort of tipped to get relegated and whatnot but I just you know you have that belief and, and desire and you, and you have a few around you that are that are feeling that way and, and then they soon start to see momentum and you start on this you know this great journey and it's an up and down and you know, any any promotion season is, especially one that ends in, in a playoff victory. But um yeah, what a what a what an experience. What an absolute fantastic experience. D did having Tony Popovich there help? Um having another Aussie at the club that he could maybe put an arm around you, understood where you came from, all the rest of it. Um yeah, oh. I think not, <laughs> not not that we ever not that we ever like not that we like I said, you know, Tony was someone I looked up to anyway. It was it was more of that developing that sort of friendship and, you know, families and stuff. When it, it wasn't really football, it wasn't really like that. I, I wouldn't go to him and ask, you know, all that sort of stuff. That wasn't my thing anyway. I never sort of did that in my career. And, so, you know, that was – I could keep that to the side, which which I, I didn't mind. Um, you know, I, I got to understand that process anyway and the uh, – you know, it, it was for my, it was in my best interest that, 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 you know, the way that you manage because that in those injury, that injury probably happens a little bit sooner if, if it wasn't the case. Um, in 2016, of course, you, you led the club out uh, in the FA Cup final at Wembley against uh, Manchester United. I was actually at that game watching it. Um, you could have become the first. Aussie to lift the cup as captain and you came so close I can see on your face already is that is that the biggest disappointment of your career mm. it's yeah it's up there it'd be up there I'd say it'd be up there um in this it just in the sense of like what you said there you probably know how close you were um and listen don't take anything away from Manchester United and the, the team they had that day, but you just got this sense if we do this right, we could potentially have something. And we, we got ourselves in a great position. We just just wasn't our day, unfortunately. Just, uh, yeah. Well, well that, that one hurts, Mila. I can, I can see you struggling with <laughs> yeah. that one. Those, uh, there's those games that hurt, mate. They never go away. That's it. That's right. You know, like it just... You know, ultimately, when I look back on it, it ended up being my last sort of game as captain for Palace. And it was just like, oh, it would have been nice. Um, it would have been a nice way to sort of to cap it all off. But it wasn't meant to be. And like I said, you move on, you move forward. Probably the thing that's remembered about that final more than anything is, is Alan Pardew's little dance when, when you scored. He must have got some grief for that, I would imagine. Oh, just, yeah, I keep hearing about it today. There you go. 
There's the grief. <laughs> it still gets remembered and spoken about, but um, yeah, it's a tough one for you, though. I can see. Um, let's move on then, uh, because you did leave Crystal Palace to join Aston Villa, who, of course, had just been relegated uh, from the Premier League. And that first season, you mentioned your first season at Palace was tough. First season at Villa was tough as well. Yeah, hundred percent. Obviously, huge club, huge ambitions, and trying to turn around a sort of different environment, new owner, turnaround of players, you know, dressing room a little bit indifferent. Tricky, underestimating championship level people, you know, it's it's it was all a learning for 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 everybody there. Um, and you know, again, managers and staffing changes and yeah. It was a, it was a, it was a, it was a proper experience, a, a real, you know, a proper experience. Did you did you sense the difference between uh, Palace and, and Villa? With the greatest respect, Palace are a big club, but but Villa are a, a slightly different level. Did you feel that weight of expectation a lot more at Villa Park? Oh, I knew what I, I knew the, the 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 first time I played at Villa Park. It was the one stadium, you know. I said this, it was the one stadium that obviously the ones that you hear and see, the big, obviously the, the big, the big six, you know, we shouldn't name them, but yeah, the, those, you know, those stadiums a bit more because you, you had seen them on TV. But when, when I, when I played at Villa Park for the first time, we played on a, I think it was a boxing day one year, the year we got, um, the year we went up and I was, I was blown away. Just old, obviously an older stadium, but so big. And I was just like, wow. What an atmosphere yeah. this could be, um, and that was wasn't it. Yeah, it's 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 um it's 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 unbelievable. Got a huge huge tradition, and um, again that comes with expectation. And you know, you you are all you are all know football enough to know that when things haven't gone well, it doesn't take for people to start getting on top of that. And um, you know, they're the the voices are known. You know, the frustrations know throughout. So. You've got to be able to handle that, and um, it came with its struggles. That's for sure. In terms of us, that season for sure. You ended up having three seasons playing uh, with Villa. The second season, you did get back to Wembley, but lost to Fulham, uh, but finally got up in, in your last season, defeating Derby County two-one. Uh, um, but you were an unused sub in that uh, final. A bit of a frustrating final year, and I, th I think you were played at centre back as well for half that season yeah I played most of my time there at centre back um, yeah. Steve was in charge for, for Steve, Bruce. Steve Bruce was in charge and I guess he trusted me above some of the other people and yeah it wasn't my best season by any stretch but um, I did you know I had a bit of a, a recharge once once um, Dean came in and couple of little niggly injuries and stuff but got myself back fit and ended up again as and when coming on playing a bit part but again my experiences have told me that you know you have to keep going and you have to keep going and being there for everybody else and uh, it was it, the ultimate goal with Aston Villa was to get promoted while I was there so being a part of that and and subsequently not playing part in the Premier League season the following year, last year, makes me appreciate, you know, what a 
you know, what a job and what a task I was, I was a part of. Yeah, did, you en- did you enjoy yeah. playing centre-back, Millet? Um, I did. It come with its thing. But again, Maury would be able to tell you it, it's, it's not the easiest position to... When you've been playing as a central midfielder your, your whole career and, and, you know, you're afforded every now and then a few mistakes... The mistakes they get punished at any level, probably at you know at the at the two at the championship premiers they get punished, and um, a few times you know they would have got punished. Oh, what stoppers have got it difficult? Kick everything that's in front of you, and then if the ball goes at the back behind you, make sure the keeper comes out. You've got it hard, please. But the difference is, to be fair, McTominay's been used in that position for for Scotland, but when you're used to being a midfielder. Miller, you know what it's like. You can go and win the ball, know that you've got a little bit of support behind you. But as a, yeah, that's as prob- a half, it's different. That's probably that's probably the thing. I think, to be honest, even just the top types of movements and stuff, you know that, you know, being ready to go both ways. I know that happens yeah. in midfield, but midfield you've got that three sixty. You have to be ready to go any which direction. You know, you, you're looking at it. You've always got voices behind you telling you what to do. Whereas, you know, sometimes you play and. <laughs> I mean, like it or not, people don't want to. People don't talk. Some people don't communicate, um, and that's just the way it is. And you've got to sort of find your way. And um, it's it, it's it gets like that, even at the even at the very top, it, it can get like that. And um, you know, I'm not gonna like I said, it's it, it's all learning, it's all experiences and stuff that I you know had to learn on the job. We mentioned that you had that last season at Villa, which was a little bit frustrating. Were you? Were you ready to retire at the end of that season? Was the body starting to complain a bit? Was it something mental? Was it a combination of both? Um, no, it wasn't. I was continuing to try and play um, right up until the point. I only, when did I decide? It was like we went into lockdown in March last year. Um, and I probably, you know, I was still sort of ticking over and, and doing bits and pieces, but it don't get any easier when you're, when you haven't played. It's not something that, I mean, you know, the boys will know the older you get, you know, if you're not in that consistent routine all the time, it's, it's, it's tricky. Um, And then it's about what's, what opportunity, what opportunity do you want? Where do you want the opportunity to go? And, uh, you know, ultimately I came to the conclusion that, you know, it's time for, for something else. Um, could I have handled playing more? Yeah, I, I probably could have. The body wasn't wasn't too knackered. Um, but again, it's like, well, it's time for something else. Let's uh, talk about your international career before we move on to some Twitter questions. Uh, your Socceroos uh, debut came under Pimver Bake. Uh, I think a lot of people forget this, that you played in the infamous 4-0 loss to Germany in 2010, alongside a certain Craig Moore as well. Um, what, are you, what are your memories of, <laughs> of that first World Cup? Well, I came on at 4-0 and 10 men. So, cheers um, for, you know, I had to I had to do the, the running around. I think I might have kicked a couple, but um, yeah, it was... Job done. It was, it, was, it was a great sort of, you're thrown into it. Again, sort of thrown into it. Let's see what you got, young fella, and um, try and make your way. And they, they were the only minutes I got that World Cup, which was, um, again, you, as a, as a, as a, as a, as someone very new into that setup, was um, for me was a great experience. 
um, one I look back on very fondly and, and probably I think uh, anyone who was a part of that would see it as a probably an opportunity missed from from us in in in, in trying to progress did you feel as though that that team got a little bit too much grief because of that game against Germany? Uh, you ended up, you know, going on to to beat Serbia in the last game, which, in my opinion, I think a lot of people's opinion, it's still the nation's best ever result at a World Cup, and you were that close to going through, only going out on on goal difference. Yeah, I mean, look, there was obviously. You know, the whole gun, it just went, it went against us. Like, it was just, the 4 nil didn't help. Um, and then off for Harry against Ghana. And then the handball for Harry against Ghana. Wilco goes through one-on-one and gets it saved as well at the end of that game. And you're just thinking, oh, it's not going to be ours. It's not going to be ours. But um, it was a, I just remember, I remember the, the lead up to it and, you know, sort of finding my way within the group and, this environment and, and set up and you just, but then, like I said, we didn't know, again, the first game was a bit strange because we had people playing in different positions and stuff. So that was all, yeah, we had to juggle all that as well, I suppose. I remember, Mila, I remember saying the chippers in that Germany game. I mean, again, beat 4-0. I looked up at the clock and it was like 60 odd minutes and I'm like, this could be seven or eight. And he's bombing on, leave me exposed to the centre half. Right? And I'm going, Chippers, can't you stay at home? He goes, mate, we can get one. We can get one. <laughs> mate, we're not involved. Oh, dear. Um, Miller, you, you did have some uh, brilliant moments in the green and gold, though, aside of that uh, 2010 World Cup. Uh, got to the 2011 Asian Cup final. And then, of course, four years later on, you lead the team to victory over South Korea. Uh, in Sydney, is, is that your your proudest moment as a player? Um, yeah, it's up there. I think it's one of the ones that stands out. Um, again, in different tournament, in terms of I had this ankle niggle and or not ankle niggle. I wouldn't call it a niggle. <laughs> I was playing on one leg <laughs> for the last few games, but um, yeah, it's it was it was a massive thing. I think we we didn't want to let anybody down. I had. I had about eighty odd people in the in the crowd, and um, it was yeah, it was it was what a fantastic atmosphere. I think the tournament as a whole was just again, you know, I don't, you don't want to bring it up because you know subsequently we haven't really done anything since then. But it, what a great spectacle it was for our country and uh, to put that on. But just to see how much passion, supporters, and everyone was getting behind it, and to me that's what I really really enjoyed as much as being in it. Um, when I was away from it for a couple of games, I got to see a little bit more of that. I had a bit more time to, whilst getting treatment, I could watch some of these other games and stuff. So um, you got a real sense of what it was about. And uh, it, it, it was, uh, you know, again, super, super huge part of that. I, I actually thought, Mila, after we won the Asian Championship there, I actually thought we'd go on and dominate Asian football. And we sort of, I don't know how you feel, I sort of think we took it for granted. Because you were excellent to win it. I mean, mate, it was a fantastic performance. And I just thought Australia, now we're just going to build, grow, and we're just going to be dominant in Asia. And we we haven't. Yeah, I think, uh, I think, I think that part of that is we probably haven't progressed and they've got better as well. Um, Travelling away to some of these places in wherever. I mean, we've had, 
we've had a few places where we haven't got results and you know it, it is it is what it is like I said I think it's where it's at at the moment and you know it's going to be tricky still to qualify for this World Cup make make you know I, I, I still believe that but hopefully they can get it over the line. Um, Ange Postacoglu, of course, the coach uh, of the team in 2015. Um, wh- what made that team so good? Was it was Ange the key component in that? I know you had good players, obviously, but uh, you seem to be very, very well led and play a style of football that the players appeared, at least on the surface, to enjoy playing. Is that fair? Yeah, I mean, listen, you know, boys we all loved playing in that way we all you know I think it was backed by the belief that everybody had and the belief that belief grew obviously in time but um Ange and all this stuff believe backed us and they they backed us all the way and uh, you know it was always we had to learn the hard way sometimes which was unfortunate you know you make mistakes and sometimes you take things a little bit literally but we got it right in, in, in time for that obviously Asian cup tournament and then subsequently in, you know, by thread in, in for that world cup qualifying campaign as well. Uh, of course you scored a hat-trick in that uh, qualifier against Honduras, um, which, which got Australia to the world cup in, in 2018. Um, the furore that surrounded Ange Postacoglu and his subsequent resignation from the job ahead of the world cup how difficult and how confusing was that for for you as players and you in particular as as captain? Because obviously many was the time that you would have to go out and, and front the media on all this sort of stuff. Yeah, well, obviously when it all dropped, we you know you found out then and there. We didn't know beforehand um, anything. I think obviously there was talk about it and whatnot. I hadn't been involved in the previous couple of qualifiers because I had I was coming back from a from an injury. I had a surgery and was was coming back, so I didn't play in the last few qualifiers and the Syria game. So I was in a sort of race against the clock to try and get back because I wanted to get back, obviously, and play and be a part of it again. Um, so I think what helped with me was that that focus sort of for myself was okay I need to do I need to be this way I need to be like this I was lucky I had uh, someone the boys will know well Les Gellis come over and see me just yeah. as he does and looked after me for a week and had a little look around it and it was just it was more just the discussions we had and um, spending that time and seeing a familiar face albeit over here but um, he was doing his rounds I think and he come and spent some time with me and it was just like Oh, we got to try and get you back sort of thing. And I like, I knew that anyway, I knew that. And I just thought, okay, I've got to be like this. Cause I hadn't played any football. And I mean, th- that pitch in, in Honduras was, if you've, if, if you know anything about uh, adductors and groins, it wasn't the wrong pitch for it. So I was the whole time after that first game, I, we're getting on these planes and we got this chartered flight and blah, blah, blah. All the time, I'm thinking my groins are going to just blow up here. Like they're just going <laughs> to, they're just going to go. Like I'm thinking, what's what's going on here? Honestly, I was thinking I don't want to fall asleep because I'm going to wake up and it's going to be. And I was like, okay. So I didn't have that. So I was I was lucky, and I was like, okay, cool. So I'm like, oh, this will hit me then when we were in Sydney. 
So I get to Sydney and we train the first day and I'm like, no, nah, this isn't right. I'm like, this, is, this isn't, this can't be right. But again, I was just so focused. And when it did hit me, it hit me the day before the game. So the night before the game, I wasn't a hundred percent. I didn't not, not in that area, but I just wasn't, I felt a little bit run down. Um, so I woke up and like, again, woke up, not, not, not that it's anything significant, but I was like, I feel a little bit run down. I need, I need to just rest. And then after the game, I was shattered. It was just like, I was like, Oh, this is, this is a killer. I'm like, I'm gone here. But again, it's all, you forget about it for that moment. But again, like it's, it's just a combination of everything happening and, you know, it's come to that. You've got to that ultimate goal of of qualifying for a World Cup. But you're just thinking, "Wow, what a, whew, what a bit of a whirlwind!" How'd I get through it? Mm. Okay, I get through it. You did, um, Milo. Let's move on to some Twitter questions. Uh, this one from Simon Frary: uh, Did you ever dream you'd be captain of the Socceroos at the World Cup? Which, of course, you did twice. Um, <laughs> And more importantly, what do you do to keep your beard in that glorious state? Like, I need to know the care routine, says Simon. <laughs> <laughs> well, you should have. If you if I if you had me on last week, it was out here. I've only just got a I've only just got a haircut and a and a, and a trim for the last since the last four months. So I'm glad I didn't. I'm glad I haven't been on like that. Oh, listen, that's. I'm not too, I'll just, you know, every now and then just get it trimmed and brushed, you know, you brush it or whatever and wash it, whatever. Nothing too serious about that. Um, Mate, it was good that you got yourself sorted for our podcast, buddy. Good on you, Mila. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> and, and, and starting the new job and stuff. So, uh, you know, that came into play as well. So, uh, what, what, what about the first part of that question, uh, Milo? Did, did you ever dream you'd be captain of the Socceroos at the World Cup? Was that, was that uh, something you... You thought about when uh, when you were a kid? Probably not. I think my dream was just to play for the Socceroos mm. at a World Cup. That was, yeah. you know, when when that all came about, it was just like, you know, you obviously know you're in that within with that group and around that time, you're like, you know, what's going to happen here? There's obviously going to be a, there's a change of there's going to be a change of leadership, and you know, when you sort of asked to do it, it was for me was was you know very very important but um you know something i never took lightly something i always tried to do with the best interest of of, of everybody that i was uh, trying to represent and this one is from uh, ben kirkman i like this question so we're going to make it our question of the week a hundred dollar outback steakhouse voucher coming your way ben uh, what was the leadership attribute you had to work on the most as captain and do professional clubs provide leadership development or training, or is it something they assume players will naturally have? I think that's a good question. Yeah, it is. I think it. I think it's something they probably work on. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm gonna bore you though, because I didn't. I didn't do. I was picking it up along the way. I didn't. I was yeah. fortunate enough to play with some really, really good people, um, and leaders. Not necessarily had to be captains either, and I just. You learn. I was fortunate enough to come in the time at the Socceroos when, you know, just after a lot of the big hitters were had finished, you know, Spider and the likes and and uh, Dukes and you know Skokes. I didn't I didn't get I didn't get the opportunity with them, but I still had there were still so many others, and I just thought, wow, this is cool. And then obviously you go again club level and and so on and so forth. 
Uh, this one from Aman. Do you believe Jack Grealish could play for a club like Real Madrid? <laughs> um, ooh, interesting question. Um, yeah, on talent, absolutely. There's no, I, I believe he could. Um, whether or not mm. he does get the opportunity, I don't know, but he could play in any of the clubs within the UK, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. No, he's a top talent. Top sure talent. is. Um, this one from Mace. What communication, if any, has there been from Football Australia for you to contribute to the game here? And what, in your opinion, do we have to do to grow as a football community? Um, what have, uh, I haven't had a lot of com I haven't had a lot of conversations to be honest with you. Um, and well, tough question. I think I've been a little bit removed from it all. So hard question about what we need to do going forward. I think everybody can agree that it ain't going to be. Um, it's going to be. It's going to be. It, it's. Tr it's always. It's always been tricky. Um, it's always been tricky going forward. So. Um, I, I like to see obviously our game flourish um, in in Australia, um, and and flourish. You want it to be the number one sport, um, but we also know that that's probably not going to happen for a little while. So, yeah, Mille, that's frustrating for me to to hear that because um, obviously we've seen the situation a lot in Australia. Captain of the World Cup, two World Cups. You know, I know that maybe your future's overseas, but. I mean, for the listeners even, that must be so frustrating because there's a lot that we can learn from you, from your experiences throughout your career that can be of benefit to the Federation. That's that's very, very sad to hear. Yeah, listen, I'll listen. it's not to say that no one's been in contact. I just think as and when, uh, Maury, you know, there might be a time. It might be a time. It, it doesn't align at the moment anyway. Like I said, I'm always, I'm always, uh, I'm always willing to give some support and... Uh, like I said, if, if people want to pick up the phone and ask, not a problem from from myself. It's it's never about that. But um, yeah, as far as anything formal or anything like that, it's 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 not happening at the moment. Um, let's finish off with this one, uh, Milo. This is from Edward Wallace. Uh, lots of players say they were intimidated by Milo on the field. Who were you most intimidated by when playing? <laughs> oh, intimidated in. <laughs> It doesn't have to be I physically, I guess. Maybe, maybe skill. I don't know. I don't know. I don't who, was know. Just... who was the Razzley? Someone you couldn't catch oh, the kick. Who was... <laughs> <laughs> you want me to name? <laughs> I remember. I remember. I remember. He felt like it was not a good time for us in the national team when we went to Brazil. And I remember. I remember being one on one against Neymar. And I thought, where do I have to? Where do I have to? put you like where do I where can I take you and I'm gonna I'm just gonna try and hope for the best but um listen there's been countless players where it's not so much intimidation but you're like wow like wow what's special that world cup um the one in 2010 that Germany game Ozil he was just on another level to everybody and you're just like wow not so it's not so intimidation it's more admiration after the fact you know yeah. you, you obviously want to compete and you go and compete and you never sort of take a backward step. But when you when you stop and you think and you're like, wow. You know, Luis Suarez is another one that comes to mind. He was just a he was just used to rat around and like he'd occupy the whole back four. He'd, he'd be on the back of you and just like a 
proper, you know, just had that intensity and you're like, wow, this is pretty good. And then, you know, guys who I probably would have come up against, Yaya Toure, always a handful, yeah. always a handful. Yeah. Always would score against us at Palace as well. Um, just there was, there was, there's so, there's so many. There's some good players there, Miller, isn't it? it you know, I, I find it funny when people ask you, did you dream of playing for the Socceroos when you're a kid? Mate, you couldn't have dreamt of playing for and captaining your country back then the way we were growing. But now, like, it seems like a massive thing. And that, that part of playing for the Socceroos, and actually achieving what you've achieved actually help you stamp your authority in Europe as well because they started to respect Australians as players. Yeah, they did 100%. And, um, you know, for myself, I was, you know, I was fortunate enough. It it coincided with playing Premier League football my first year and then going to a World Cup in Brazil. So, you know, I remember remember that. And then I remember after that, when we went and won the Asian Cup, I remember coming back and I remember having conversations with players from other teams just passing by, wishing us, like, congratulations and stuff. And I just found that, like, Oh, okay, this is this is pretty like this is pretty cool. Like what what a great amount of respect they've got for us. So, yeah. you know those stories. You know players. You know and you're like okay, that's 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 pretty cool. If, if the players are thinking it, then obviously that's filtered filtered down uh, or filtered up to other to yeah. other parts of the football community. Well, it was respect that was uh, very well earned, Millet. You had a great career. Now, as we say, you're part of the backroom staff at. Uh, at Aston Villa, might we see you uh, back in Australia as a as a head coach at some point? Is that on on your radar in the future? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh listen, you never say never. I suppose it's it's football after all. That's why we love it. There's you know opportunities well, come, opportunities come as and when, and uh, you know when they do come, you have to be prepared. But also you you got to see if it's the right timing and stuff. But you know, always going to have a affiliation with with the game back home no doubt about that always got one eye on what's happening back home but um again it, it is in the it is in the distance while you while you're over here trying to do your thing as well uh, we're going to uh, leave the, the final question as ever every week to spider off you go spider Mila, tell us mate you've played at some brilliant stadiums so tell us the best stadium you've ever played at and tell us your biggest dungeon because i know you've played at some dungeons as well Best stadium would be Wembley. Yeah. Yeah. I was, yeah. I was fortunate. I, like, again, you're talking about, you know, dreams. And the first time I went to Wembley, I came over just before I signed to, to Palace, signed for Palace. I went to a Take That concert, sat in the stands, and I'm like, what is, like, imagine, I'm, I was thinking, imagine playing here. And I thought, <laughs> and that was organised by the chairman at the time because he was trying to, I don't know, he just said you can go and watch. It was with the agent at the time, and um, I was like, imagine playing. I ended up have, I ended up, I ended up being involved there five times in my career. So that 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 that's mental for me. And it was like, wow, that was a, that was a that was a good uh, sort of that was a good place. Dungeon. Oh. Let me think. 
Mate, there's some in Turkey. Come on, Millie, there's some in Turkey. Oh, I, I thought yeah. you were going to throw out the Honduras yeah, yeah. one without a shadow of a doubt. I thought you were going to throw Honduras under the bus. Yeah, Honduras. Hon, 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 yeah, but you know what about Honduras? I think Honduras was, it wasn't intimidating because the noise, you just love to play in the noise. As much as afterwards you found out, you know, what was actually going on, who was carrying what weapons in the stands and whatnot. <laughs> that was, you know, that, that you sort of understood. Turkey had some arenas, yeah. There was there was some in Turkey where it was probably that stuff where you're going to games and again in that relegation year, you're going to play rivals that are fighting relegation and you're getting stuff pelted and you're seeing boys jump on the other side of the butts. And I'm like with my headphones thinking, what's going on here? And they're like, get down the front rock. And I'm like, oh my God. So yeah, you've got those those things. Um and in the UK. I've been to a few, I played in some derbies, you know, the Birmingham Villa one was, you know, warming up on the side of St. Andrews and getting pelters from some of the fans. It was, you know, it was, it's all, it was all good. Really, <laughs> absolutely fantastic uh, memories. And we could probably talk for about four hours, but uh, we're aware that we should let you go. Um, all that remains is for us to say, thanks so much for giving us um, so much of your time today on the podcast. Really appreciate it, mate. Not a problem. Thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, just make sure you look after yourselves. We'll do our Good best. Good on Thanks, that is uh, Mila Yedinak, uh, former Socceroos skipper, and that is us for this week. Uh, join us again, same time, same place, next week for another Shim, Spider, and so much more. Bye for now. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.